Have you ever had a relationship that it feels like every time you get together and every time you have a conversation, there is a barrier between you and them? You ever had that? Like every time there's an elephant in the conversation, something that nobody kind of wants to talk about, there is a, just a, there, there was something that happened. And the, the reason there's this thing between you and them is that they hurt you. They wounded you. They, they damaged you in some way. And it creates this, this thing that every time you get together, maybe they said something about your mama. Maybe they cheated you out of some money. Uh, maybe they, they lied about you. They spread a rumor about you. At the first service, the girl, one of our teenage girls that came to get the scorpion sucker said she was going to give it to her sister. Maybe they gave you a scorpion sucker. Right? Maybe it was something. But they hurt you. They hurt one of your family members. And it creates this thing every time you get together that is in between you and them. Because what's happening is that they have a past actions that are superseding and overshadowing their present words. And it does not matter what they say, how they say it, it doesn't matter how perfect their words are or how sweet they're being now, all you hear when you get together is what they did. Because actions speak, speak louder than words, you all know it, right? You all know it. And sometimes relationships like this go on for years, don't they? I mean, you have like an aunt and uncle who haven't talked in 10 years, and it's always kind of tense, and there's this, there's this kind of feeling every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, is this going to be the time it blows up? Or maybe it's children and parents. Uh, maybe it's a brother and sister because they got upset one another when the will came out, and mama left them something that they thought they should have got, and daddy left money to this one that they thought they should have got it. And sometimes these situations just happen where there is this barrier that is in between them. And have you ever thought about, it? so how do you get rid of the barrier? How do you get rid of this thing in between you and somebody else or somebody else and you? And it's really pretty simple, right? It starts with something like this. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Forgive me. I mean, for that barrier to get taken away, for this thing that sits in between you to get set to the side, something, someone has to own up to what they did. They have to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry I said what I said years ago. I'm sorry that I did what I did years ago. I was wrong for the way I treated your family. I was wrong for the way I treated you. Forgive me. Forgive me for breaking your trust. Forgive me for breaking a promise. Forgive me for hurting you. And at that moment, at that moment, when someone will just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me, that barrier begins to come down. And we think about them differently, and we see them differently, and we hear them differently. And all of a sudden, we can have an authentic relationship with one another. Now, don't you imagine, don't you imagine that this is the same way it is with our relationship with God. 
See, a lot of us want to pray a big prayer, and we think we got to get just the right words, say them at just the right way. Maybe we need to just pray them over and over and over, and you've got to kind of got this repetition thing going on, or maybe you just need to just, I mean, pray, plead with God to just do a miracle. But if we're honest, sometimes when we go to before God, there's a barrier between us and him because we hurt him. We wronged him. And we've got sin in our life. Maybe it's something you did a long time ago and you just try to forget about it, ignore it. Maybe God will forget. Or maybe it's a sin that you're struggling with every day to this day and you've never really made peace. You've never really, uh, you've never really said what you need to say with God. And how do, you, how do you get to the point where you can have a right relationship with God without that barrier? I think it's the same way. I'm sorry. I was wrong, Lord. Forgive me. So what we're really talking about is this idea of confession. And that ain't easy, is it? Confession is hard because we don't want to confess that we're broken. We don't want to confess our own brokenness because we don't want to admit that we've got some stuff that we're dealing with. And even this word confession has a lot of baggage in the Christian tradition, doesn't it? I mean, some of us see confession as a sign of weakness. So we don't want to confess. Others of us grew up in a tradition where you went to a priest or pastor to offer confession. And that's just what you thought you were supposed to do, and there's certainly nothing wrong with confessing to somebody, but we believe you can go to God directly. Now, one of the big things with confession, and one of the reasons we struggle with it, is that we think of God as a punitive God. In fact, we think that we're sinners in the hands of an angry God. And we don't want to confess to God all our junk, all our past, all the ways that we have messed up, all of our sin, because we're just not sure what God will think about us if he knows the real me. Right? If he knows, oh man. So we just kind of don't talk about it. We don't think about it. And then maybe God won't even know about it. Well, today we're going to read a story in the book of 2 Corinthians that is about King Hezekiah, who, is a, who was a great king over God's people. And we're gonna see how confession goes along with big prayer. In fact, what Hezekiah thinks about God in his own confession to God is gonna shape his big prayer. Now, Hezekiah is interesting because in a time where kings most often taught us what not to do, Hezekiah actually teaches us what to do. So it's great. If you can learn what to do from a king, that's a king you should pay attention to. In fact, the story of Hezekiah is, is less about what he says and more about who he is. It's less about the content of his prayer. It's less about the words of his prayer. It's more about the heart behind his prayer and who he is in his prayer. In fact, Hezekiah teaches us this important lesson that is going to be the take-home lesson for the day, but I want to give it to you right at the top today, and it's this, that we're looking for the right prayer when God's looking for the right heart. 
I mean, we're looking for like, I just want to pray the, you know, maybe I'm not praying it right, or maybe God hasn't put the right prayer on my heart. And I just want to tell you what God's looking for is the right heart. In other words, the posture of the prayer is as important as the prayer itself. The posture of the person actually doing the praying is just as important. And if you want to approach God with a big request and your heart is in a wrong place, then what you're going to find is no matter what you say to God, there's always going to be this barrier between you and God. And when you get ready to offer your big prayer, I want the barrier to be gone. So we're going to learn from Hezekiah how to get rid of this barrier between us and God. So we're camping out in 2 Corinthians. We're going to mostly be in 2 Corinthians 30, if, if, excuse me, 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 30. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible and you want to study that, there's some great stuff to study on this, a lot of background. We'd love to give you one of our Bibles in the back. But if you got your phones or you got your Bibles, you just kind of want to open them to chapters 29 and 30. So uh, Hezekiah, he reigned for 29 years as king over Judah. He was the 13th king over Judah. His time period was sometime around 700 BC. A little bit of his reign was before 700 BC, a little bit afterwards, just kind of overlapped, but that was kind of the general uh, time. And he was a great king, but Israel had long since been split up. He was king over the southern kingdom, Judah, which had retained the name Judah, but had retained the holy city of Jerusalem. The northern kingdom was Israel, and they retained uh, the name of Israel. So they both got something in the split. The southern kingdom got Jerusalem. The northern kingdom got Israel. But they were both a mess. They were both a mess. King after king led people in the wrong direction. They made deals and bartered deals with foreign kings instead of trusting God. They put idols to foreign gods in the cities. They forgot the worship of God and the most high God and the only one and true God and began to worship all these other gods. They began to hold festivals to foreign gods. And when Hezekiah comes on the scene to take over, Judah is a mess. There are all across the city, there are idols to all these other gods. No one is practicing their ancient ancestral faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Judah, it's like they have even forgotten. They're not even using the temple. The temple was this incredible, this incredible presence of God. It was supposed to represent where heaven met earth. It, it was all these, it took years for Solomon to build the temple. It was supposed to be the place where the people came and experienced God, and they weren't even using it. So the first thing Hezekiah does, in his first month in office, his first month, he looks around the city, looks at the temple and just shakes his head. And he has the doors of the temple repaired and opens the doors of the temple again to the community. And he tells the priest and the Levites, who are their, kind of their partners and associates, he says, listen, I want you to purify yourselves I want you to consecrate yourselves. I want you to get ready. We're going to worship the God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God. I want you to tear down all these altars to all these foreign gods all across the city. I want you to rid the temple of these idols that have defiled the temple for all these years, and we're going to invite people in to worship God. But before we do, we need to confess 
something. And listen to what Hezekiah says in chapter 29 of Second Chronicles, verse 6. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. Now, it's hard to confess, period. It's really hard to confess for the generations that have come before you. And Hezekiah looks at them. He looks at his community. He looks at all the people that work for him. He looks at his country. And he just says, this is all wrong. We were wrong for letting it happen. Our parents were wrong. Our grandparents were wrong. Our great-grandparents were wrong. Our whole culture is wrong. And we just need to admit that we have been wrong. Before we come into this place and worship God and offer prayers again to the Most High God, guys, we need to admit something. We have been wrong. And sometimes... Sometimes the hard prayer comes before the big prayer. Sometimes before we offer to God, what Hezekiah realized is that they could clean the temple up and they could give it a new paint job all they wanted. But if they didn't confess something that when they knelt down in that newly refurbished temple to say a prayer, there was going to be something standing between them and God. And the hard prayer that they had to pray was to say, we weren't just wrong, everybody was wrong. And sometimes before you pray a big prayer, you need to pray a confessional prayer. Sometimes before you pray a big prayer, you need to pray a repentance prayer. And sometimes, even like Hezekiah, we need to pray a generational confession. We have been wrong. Sometimes the hard prayer comes before the big prayer. Sometimes we just need to look at God and say, Lord, I've got some stuff I want to talk to you about. I've got some big requests, but before I do, Lord, I need to tell you something. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Forgive me. And sometimes it needs to be, we're sorry. We were wrong. Forgive us. I love this heart. You already see his heart. You already see who Hezekiah is. And the people, turns out, are hungry for just authenticity. <laughs> the priests do what Hezekiah asked, and the people come in droves to the temple again. In fact, it says in, in uh, 2 Chronicles 29 that they bring so many animals for sacrifice that the priests can't even handle them. It's all kind of chaos, and I love it. Like it's like this big family reunion that's terribly unorganized, and it's just, it's just a mess. But they get their worship on. It says that they have symbols. You need to read all of 29 this week to give a background. They have symbols. They have harps. They have lyre, which is like kind of the early, early guitar. And they sing praises to God. They get their worship on like we're going to do Thursday night at the night of worship. All right? I mean, they just go on and on and on. It's an incredible time of worship. And, it, and some people could say like, well, this has been great. Thanks, Hezekiah, for your leadership. But seeing all this, Hezekiah has a dream. He looks out at the crowd and all of Judah is there. And he says, 
This is good, but it's not complete. And he has a dream. He's heard stories, stories about Passover, the most important and the biggest festival in their faith. Passover, when they would celebrate when God delivered the Hebrews from out of the hand of Egyptian slavery through Moses' leadership and crossed the Red Sea and eventually found the Promised Land. It's this incredible festival, and he's heard stories. It's been 200 years since it's happened, but he's heard stories of how it wasn't just a couple of tribes, it wasn't just Judah, but it was all 12 tribes of Israel. And he has a dream. It's been 200 years, but what if Israel could come back together again? And this is what he, he says. Hezekiah, listen to this dream, sent word to all, sent word to who? All, Israel and Judah, all means all, all 12 tribes, the divided tribes, the divided kingdom, even the ones that they had been bickering with for 200 years, they'd been fighting with, they had had skirmishes with for 200 years. He sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. He has a big, huge dream to invite everyone. If we are going to do this right, and we are going to pray this right, and we are going to pray big prayers, then we have got to do this right. And that means that it can't just be Judah. We have got to have everybody. We have got to have all of us. And so this is what I want you to know is that he had a big prayer, but it originated with a big dream. And I think our dream life and our prayer life are inextricably woven together. And you can't pray big prayers if you don't have and start with a big dream. And I'm gonna dig into this a little bit deeper next week. That's what the egg and the scorpion are all about, okay? Big prayers and big dreams. And Hezekiah has this big dream. And listen, if you have a prayer that you think is big, but you don't need, but it's not a dream that's so big that you don't need much of God's help, then you need a new dream and a new prayer. You need a dream that takes a God-sized move of the Holy Spirit to happen. You need a prayer that says, God, if you don't move, if you don't make this happen, it can't happen and it won't happen. And that's how everyone would look at Hezekiah, is that this is such a big dream. But there was a problem with the dream. They were a month late. Passover had done past. Passover was supposed to happen in the first month. And so this is what it says. The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month. Oh, well, it's bad if you celebrate Passover when you're not supposed to celebrate Passover. That's not good. You're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to have Easter in June, right? Not supposed to have Easter in May. So it's supposed to be the right time. But uh, there was a loophole. In Numbers chapter nine, God made a provision if people needed more time to consecrate themselves and purify themselves, and that was the problem, see? is that, that people didn't have enough time to go through a season of ritual cleansing. In Numbers nine, it gives a provision called Pesach Sheni. Now that's a little in the weeds for you in the Hebrew. It just means delayed Passover. 
So like, okay, okay, great. We can have a delayed Passover. We won't break any of the Lord's commands. We won't break any of the rules and regulations. Everything will be good. Everyone will have an entire extra month to purify themselves and consecrate themselves to, to come forward. So that's what they decided to do. But not everybody was as excited about it as Hezekiah. He sends people out with the message, but listen to what happens. The couriers went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but people scorned and ridiculed them. Hezekiah has a big dream, but people scorned it and people ridiculed it. And I just want you to know something. If you have a big dream and you are stirring up a big prayer, people will scorn you sometimes and people will ridicule you sometimes. They won't get it. They won't get it. They won't get it. So get over it. Just get over it. They don't get it. What if Hezekiah... He's been, in, he's been in office less than a year. What if he had said, oh, people are ridiculing me for this decision? Oh, I want everybody to like me. Just stop, guys. Let's don't do it. They don't like me. They posted an angry face on my post. They said something nasty about me on Instagram or Twitter. Oh, just let's just don't do it. He, he could have ended up forfeiting 29 years of faithful and fruitful ministry if he had just wanted people to like him. Get over it. They don't get it. I just got some news for you. If people didn't get it, when one of the most faithful kings in the history of Judah had a big dream, they won't always get it with you. And I got some more news. It won't always be outsiders. Sometimes it'll be insiders. Sometimes it'll even be the people closest to you. Because guess what happens next with Hezekiah? Despite the ridicule, a bunch of people love the idea. A bunch of people show up from Judah and Israel, but they show up and none of them have taken the time to consecrate themselves and purify themselves. None of them have followed the steps according to scripture that they should have followed to get ready. And so every family for Passover is supposed to come and offer their own sacrifices. But since they haven't purified themselves, the priest have to do it for them, which was not really the way it was supposed to be done. And listen to what the priests say. The priests and the Levites were ashamed. They're like, gosh, this is a mess. Hezekiah, he's, what has he gotten us into? I'm so embarrassed to be a part of this. I can't believe it. And here's the church, here's what I know. Whether it's outsiders or insiders, if you are going to pray a big prayer that was born in a big dream, I just want you to know you need to get ready for big misunderstanding. Not everyone will understand. There will be people who ridicule you, who scorn you, who make fun of you, who are embarrassed with you, who misunderstand me. You're just going to have to get over it. If you are not ready to be misunderstood, you are not ready to pray big. 
If you're not ready to be misunderstood, you're not ready to pray big. Because I just want to tell you something. I guarantee you there are going to be people close to you who say, oh, honey, I wish you'd just give up on that dream and just get a real job. Buddy, I, I just, I, I know that's such a sweet prayer you got, what you want God to do, and, but, you know, I just wish you would, I just wish you'd do something a little more reasonable. And there are going to be people who ridicule you, who mock you, who misunderstand you. And I just, it is amazing to me how many people give up on a big dream and a big prayer because they can't stomach being misunderstood. I'm so grateful that Hezekiah had the stomach for a big dream and a big prayer. Well, what happens next is awesome because it just gets worse. It is worse. It's a mess. And I love it because God's going to show up in the mess. You know that sometimes God shows up in messes. Isn't that good news? If you came this morning and you're like, life's a bit of a mess right now, good news. You're lining up right with the story. And God shows up in messes. So the people, the people come and none of them have consecrated themselves. But watch how worse it gets. They're not supposed to sacrifice. We mentioned that. But they're surely not supposed to eat the Passover. And listen to what happens. Although most of the many people who came from Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover contrary to what is written. They didn't do things according to even what God had said. They didn't do things according to the rule book. They didn't follow the regulations. It had all just been a mess. It was absolutely utter chaos. It was a family reunion that had gotten out of control. And the priests and the Levites are embarrassed. They're ashamed. But this is where Hezekiah comes and prays this incredible, awesome, big prayer because God had written that you would be punished if you ate the Passover and had not purified yourself. That you you stood to go be under severe consequences. And listen to what Hezekiah says. Hezekiah prayed for them. You know, some of the priests are like, oh great, he's praying. I don't think we need prayer, Hezekiah, right? He said, may the Lord, who is good, We sang that. Do you remember that? We sang that. He is good. He is good. You see, one of the reasons that we're so afraid sometimes to go to God about this barrier is that we're not sure that once he sees what's behind it, we're not sure that he's really good. And I love that Hezekiah, confident though flawed, (laughs) says, Lord, You're good. We're not. And listen to what he says. Pardon everyone. Forgive everyone. We were wrong. We're sorry. Forgive us. Who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of our ancestors, even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. So here's the question for you. Some of you came today and you're like, you know what? I know my life hasn't lined up perfectly with the rule book. God's so much more concerned about your heart. I love this prayer. Lord, we haven't done it right. We haven't gotten it all right. We haven't followed the rules. But Lord, we're just trying to seek after your heart. What do you think God's going to do here? What do you think? Don't look, don't look, don't look. 
strike them down, he could have done that. Make them all sick, he could have done that. Cast Hezekiah out of the temple forever, he could have done that. There were some kings that lasted a week. God could have struck Hezekiah out. Listen to what God does. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. We're looking for the right prayer when God's looking for the right heart. So the good news is this. If you feel like you came today and you're like, I, I, I know I've not done things according to the rules and I'm, I haven't gotten it all right. What God is looking for more is where is your heart? Is it clean? And are you willing to risk believing that he is good and to say, Lord, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want to let you see behind the barrier because I want to get it out and I'm going to trust that you are good and that you're going to be okay if you know the real me and you're going to love me anyway, not because I've got it right, but because you got it right. What do you need to confess today? Could that be our prayer? Before we pray a big prayer. Before we go to God with a big dream and a big prayer, could we pray a hard prayer together? Lord, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Forgive me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so much like Hezekiah. We get so much of it wrong. <laughs> Lord, we're just like the Israelites. Sometimes we're a mess. We're just like your people in the story. Sometimes we haven't followed the rules just right. Even when we try to, we, <laughs> we mess it up. But Lord, we want to have Hezekiah's heart today. We want to say, Lord, but we know you are good. Forgive us. And church, maybe there's something here that you just need to confess to God right where you are. Something you need to lay at his feet because every time you're coming before him with a big prayer, you feel this barrier. And I just want to say that could you just cleanse your heart today? Lord, we know that you can spot a good heart from a thousand light years away. So our prayer is that our good God would hear the very best goodness we can muster up in our hearts to say before we even tell you about our big dream, even when we mess it up, what we want more than anything else is to know your heart. We just want you, the God of our ancestors, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God who proved he's good by sending his son Jesus to die for us. Amen.